Thank you all so much for coming over. Of course, this is so nice. You know, I actually walked here all the way from Brooklyn because it's so beautiful today. Uh, New York is gorgeous in the spring. Spring is officially sprung. <laughs> Winter is coming. Who's your new friend again, Seth? This is John, and John actually think winter's over and we're headed into spring now. Winter is coming. Okay. The snow will fall a hundred feet deep. The ice wind will howl out the north, and the sun hides its face for years, and little children will all be born and die in the darkness. So much for global warming. Huh? <laughs> you won't be laughing when the White Walkers rip your limb from limb and packs of pale spiders as big as hounds feast on your remains. So how does everybody like the wine? Oh, it's great. Where is it from? It's from a place in Napa called Tromsberg Valley. You know, my mom is actually from Napa. I didn't know that. Yeah. I never knew my mother. <laughs> Tired to hear that, John. I'm a bastard. Okay, but... You don't have to call yourself that, though. I'm the bastard son of Lord Eddard Stark of Winterfell, head of the Stark family, warden of the North. Well, he sounds like an impressive guy. Do you and your father keep in touch? His head was chopped off. Winter is coming. You're listening to The Watchers of Westeros. I am the king! A Game of Thrones podcast. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Fire cannot kill a dragon. Lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of a sheep. I've also heard the phrase, a Lannister always pays his debt. What good is power if you cannot protect the ones you love? We can avenge them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Watchers of Westeros. We are back after our um, bizarre little hiatus there. Uh, we are back now to get you set for Season 5 of Game of Thrones, which kicks off this coming Sunday on HBO. I think, was it 9 p.m., 10 p.m.? I... We'll know when it's time uh, when 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 you hear this music start up. But uh, we are back now for our big season five preview show. We want to thank everybody for uh, putting up with us while we while we went on break there. Uh, but we're back and we'll be back for the entire run of season five. Uh, but if this is your first time listening, or if you've just forgotten who we are, uh, introductions are in order. My name is Dominic, and joining me as he always does is my co-host Kieran. Hello, hello again, Dominic. It's been a long time since we have sat down to perform a Game of Thrones podcast. Yes. As I say at the intro, then it's been a long time since I've heard that intro as well. So it's, yeah. it's nice to really get back into the Game of Thrones setting and atmosphere because, as you said, less than a week, less than a week now from recording time, that's uh, the first episode will have aired on television. Yeah. So it will be on Sunday for everyone in America on HBO or at least HBO viewers. But yes. over here in England, it's on Monday at 9 mm. p.m. 
Although for me, that's going to be a bit of a weird transition time when <laughs> technically when the episode's being aired in England, I'll be on a plane. But nevertheless, I will do my best You'll to watch find that episode as, I, as soon as I can. We'll find a way to watch the episode. We'll, we'll make it happen. Yes, the first episode, season or season five, episode one, The Wars to Come, 9 p.m. Uh, on Sunday on HBO. Uh so excited! We just, we're we're going to get into this, of course. Uh, it, since we've been since we've been gone, there's been new trailers, new clips. Uh, they had the big red carpet premiere, uh, and there's been lots of talk of big things in the works. Lots of characters potentially biting the dust this season. And, uh, we'll get into all of that. Uh, but first, I was mentioned there was a new trailer that dropped uh, during it. The Apple presentation, which, of course, why not? Sure, that makes sense. Um, you know, we had that first trailer we talked about in our first episode, which aired with the uh, the IMAX, IMAX screenings of Game of Thrones at the end of, of uh, season season four. And uh, and well, let's let's take a listen to to the second trailer for season five. Lannister. Baratheon. Stark. Tyrell, they're all just spokes on a wheel. This one's on top, then that one's on top, and on and on it spins, crushing those on the ground. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. Stannis Baratheon is an army at Castle Black. He means to take the north. This is the time, and I will risk everything. Winter is coming. We know what's coming with it. We can learn to live with the wildlings. We can add them to the army of the dead. You are the few. We are the many. We serve the gods, and the gods demand justice. city out so the rats have nowhere left to hide I am a queen not a butcher all rulers are either butchers or meat So there you have it. That's the uh, the most recent trailer. That we'll, we'll be playing some clips as well as we get into things. Uh, but let's 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 just get into things. Let's look ahead at season five, and and really, I think one of the big things that we're going to be dealing with this season, really, especially well, especially the way things ended last season, is how uh, well how everybody's going to react to the loss of Mister Tywin Lannister. You know, he was really. You know, he was the guy pulling all of the strings for so long, and and now, with him gone, with him dead, it will be interesting to see. You know, it really, you know, his death, as as much as the death of Robert in season one, sort of created a, an opening at the top. Uh, you know, he sort of came in, and you know, even though he had Joffrey and and later Tommen as as sort of his puppet kings, he was sort of the guy in charge. Now again, we kind of have this power vacuum at the top. Um, 
do you, do, you see, do you see what I'm saying? Like, how do you think uh, Tywin's death is really going to affect things in season five? It's it's going to affect it in a big way, and I reckon that particularly from the clips we've witnessed to in the trailer, using that as my as my evidence for for this theory, I think that other corners of Westeros, having heard about this, will sense a new opportunity, and I think that although we've seen in a trailer that Tomlin and Marjorie are going to get married, there's a lot that is going to be occurring away from King's Landing, which will be trying to dig their claws deep into territories which were previously under the yoke of Tywin Lannister. And one of those territories in particular, I think, is the North. I think the North is going to come back in a big way, and not just between the Boltons and Baratheons, but I reckon Sansa Stark and Lord Baelish are going to be yeah. moving up that way as well. That's that's particularly from what I've been hinted at in previous episodes, but also because I've had a a, a depth, an in-look at the, at the recent trailer that's been released, and there's a lot of eerie symbols and Sansa Stark and Lord Baelish saying, avenge them. Yeah, I, it points it points to that old home of Winterfell, does it not? <laughs> I think that Winterfell place is going to come back in a big way. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. What really excites me about this season is that, really, unlike season four, we're going to see the Starks at least, maybe not as a as a as a significant power, but working their way back up to being a significant power. And I really think we're going to see that through Sansa, because I mean, you look at you know, season one, of course, you had Ned Stark, and then seasons two and three, Rob Stark. They were, you know, significant players in what was going on. And then last season, you know, once Rob Stark was killed, uh, you know, Arya is kind of off on her little side or on her side adventure with the Hound. Sansa is really uh, not doing much of anything. You know, she's escaped being Joffrey's uh, plaything, sort of, uh, by by the fact that he's now dead, <laughs> and. Uh, and she went with with Lord Baelish, and she was still kind of a pawn in what seemed to be a bigger game. She still seemed like she was being used by him, and perhaps we're seeing that. We'll see that in season five as well that she'll continue to be used by people. But really, just the way season four ended and what we've seen in that the trailer, it looks like we're really going to see her as uh, a significant power and it's we're going to head back to winterfell and you know winterfell is somewhere we really haven't seen in a while not since not since uh bran left you know it's 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 one of those it's one of those places that was just so iconic from the first season that uh well first it was burned down and you know now we we have we've had no reason to go back there and it and it's exciting to think that we're going to get that opportunity and it's exciting to see the the starks back in play as a as a significant uh player i guess for lack of a better term in the in the bigger picture yeah they they all had their sort of their personal stories um you know with bran going after the the three-eyed raven and and and, and so as we mentioned Arya with the hound and, and sanso um you know learning to sort of overcome some things uh in in this past season they weren't really affecting the bigger story and and john snow is just so much more of a uh, uh you know He's, he's so much he's not, almost not even a stark anymore you know he's he is a man of the night's watch he really has taken on that mantle in a way that we we hadn't seen him do that before and and i and so yeah that's what i'm excited because really 
you look back at season one, and as we were doing our, our rewatch there um, to start off this this podcast, uh, you know, in previous episodes, we really you really saw how powerful they were, and it's kind of it was kind of distressing to think, well, wow, they look at how far they've fallen. Uh, well, also, I just want to no, jump sure. in there, make a final point that you you touched upon with Winterfell there, and keen viewers of the show will will recognize that we have actually seen Winterfell since season two. Yes. It was in episode eight of season four with the Boltons riding up to that big city in the background, a very iconic city, mm-hmm. which which was, in fact, Winterfell. So point. the Boltons are going to be in Winterfell to start with. It seems that way, at least, at the beginning of season five. So what that presupposes, at least, is that there's going to be some sort of clash between the Starks and the Boltons. Of course, the Boltons now, under under Roos, have control of the of the North, as he has been entitled with the name Warden of the North. But, of course, we have to remember he was bestowed that title by Tywin Lannister, mm-hmm. who is no longer a player. So we're talking about the ramifications of the loss of Tywin, and that's why I look straight to the North, because Bolton really got his seat of power because of Tywin. Tywin's gone now. So it means that there's not only a power vacuum in King's Landing, but there's opportunities in the north as well that yeah. are ripe for the taking. Well, yeah, and I, I think you know Tywin dying not only leaves a power vacuum, but it also puts everything that he put in place into doubt. Because should a new ruler um, come in come into play in in this next season or the seasons at, seasons to come, um, maybe they won't honor. Tywin Lannister's uh, agreements. Maybe they will try to, you know, get the Boltons out of the North or or take down some of uh, some of the other things that Tywin installed that were there to help him because it, it you know it won't help them. So really, you're seeing both sides where you know there's there's somebody there's a there's now there's real potential for somebody to come in and, and take over at the top, but there's also that chance that they're that you know once they do the people out there well they may lose their you know their titles or or what they what they built up under Tywin Lannister so it perhaps gives more incentive for someone who is who who has some kind of power thanks to Tywin Lannister to go after you know his role now um to keep keep things alive now there's there's nothing to indicate that the, that the boltons will i don't know maybe there is in the books but there, there hasn't been in any of the previews or, or the trailers and i'm just kind of speculating here you know you know because like we said you know tywin was such a presence for the last few seasons that you know him being gone really opens things up in in a in a way that uh we really haven't seen on the show before uh because you know like we said you know once robert went went down there was somebody to step in now there doesn't seem to be, or or that somebody is uh is is still a ways away and and working on building up her army and her dragons. So we'll see how how that plays out. Well, the best point to highlight on this finally was in season four, episode six. At the beginning of the episode, Stannis Baratheon and Sedavos head to the Iron Bank, mm. and one of the main reasons that the Iron Bank was so willing to donate a loan to Stannis Baratheon was through Sir Davos's comments when he stated what happens when Tywin Lannister dies. Your investment goes down the drain. You're going to be left with Cersei Lannister, who everyone despises, Jamie Lannister, the title of the Kingslayer, and a young Tomlin who is completely inexperienced and naive in the realm of politics. So 
already that was a bit of foreshadow there as to what might happen if Tywin Lannister was to depart and ultimately decease from Westeros. I think we're going to see that completely unfold. Yeah, the bank. What they were talking about. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to just explode out of control. Yeah, well, it, you know, a lot of uh, Cersei and Jaime and, and all of the Lannister's power comes from the fact that uh, Tywin has money, you know, it's, that he was able to buy his way. They were able to buy their way out of most um, most of their positions. So, you know, with, with the with the one exception of, of Jaime losing his hand there. Um, yeah, they were able to buy their way out of all those situations. And now he's gone. Uh, it, perhaps a lot of his money goes with them or, or, you know, the power that he that he held uh, goes with them. And it could well, money create... that was owed to yeah. the Iron Bank anyway, because they didn't have any money towards the end of that season. That's they were relying point. on the Tyrells. Yeah, that's fair enough. And and so, yeah, now the, the that's a good point. Now the Tyrells can really. Uh, you know, sink their claws in. You know, we know that that Marjorie wants to be the queen, and her grandmother has a seems to have some aspirations for power as well. Uh, and it really, yeah, it looks like uh, looks like we're be- start we're perhaps seeing the uh, beginning of the downfall of the uh, of the Lannister legacy here. You know, you know, and of course it all it all happens because Tyrion shot shot Tywin on the on the can. <laughs> you know, it's a uh, it's it's funny you know it's for someone like tywin you know all he talked about was his legacy and and wanting to preserve his legacy and you know to go out in such a you know in 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 a way that is uh almost unbefitting for him it's it's good it was you know it was it was was fitting that, that that would be how Tyrion would kill him but that's probably not how someone like him would want to go out that sort of that was sort of the opposite of of the way he would want to die and as a result um, everything he built looks like it's going to crumble, crumble around him. Exactly, and and a fi- and a final final point I want to say about this, <laughs> which I, is, there was a nice bit of foreshadow I was watching in some of the earlier episodes of uh, season four, and in episode eight when uh, Lord Baelish is talking with Robin Arryn after Lysa Arryn has bit the dust, and Robin's a bit afraid of of, of going out into the open, into the into the wild, as it were. Um, fear of death and then Lord Bane is just you know people die all the time you know they, <laughs> they, they they die when in their beds or they die squatting on their pot chambers and I was like ah well, there you go. I didn't know at the time, but going back, I did quite like that. And I just had the image of Tywin now and I was like as you said such an unbefitting way for such or really the most powerful man in Westeros to fall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, let's let's you know we've talked a lot about Lannisters and, and Starks. Let's talk about another Stark. Let's talk about Arya, uh, because her, you know, she she's really for the last two seasons been on this kind of side journey with the Hound, and and every time she got close to getting back to being with uh, with her family, uh, well, things didn't work out. Somebody somebody wound up dead. Basically, it was, it was you almost kind of feel like anybody who knew Arya or was related to her, you know, if if, if they saw her coming, they should probably uh, get a full guard detail, maybe run for the hills because it probably means they're going to die. Probably uh, that's that's the end of their story. Um, but this season, she really seems to be uh, going off on her own, and and it's strongly implied that she's going to go join the the faceless assassins, the faceless men there. Um, what what are you expecting to see from her this season? From Arya Stark, there's going to be a huge character development in their arc, I, I would anticipate. As you said, really, 
so since season one, really, she's just been looking for a home. Uh, mm. Since Ned Stark's head was chopped off yes. by Joffrey Baratheon, um, started off at first was going to go to the Wall um, to see Jon Snow. That didn't pan out. Then, obviously, it was to see her mother and her brother, who, well, just as she was about to go in and yeah. see them at uh, Lord Frey's uh, wedding, <laughs> man- managed to miss out on that one, sadly, because of their untimely deaths. <laughs> and then to finish it all off, was about spent a whole season going up to the Eyrie to find Lysa Aaron. They arrived three days late to find out she's dead as well. Yeah. So I think, and now the Hound's gone as well. So there's clearly... She's, she's been having that family attachment uh, or at least trying to reunite herself with the family. But now I think in a way it's almost destined. The fact that she's been unable to reestablish relations with her family. She, I don't think she was meant to go back to them. I, uh, her purpose has always been linked since the Dancing Master lessons to going to Bravos, really, yeah. ever since that. Whether it was to... Um, Meet one of the one of the Bravos men again, wasn't it? In season two, uh, his name mm-hmm. escapes. Oh, J- Jack and Hagar. Jack and Hagar. Yeah. Uh, Jack and Hagar. There we go. That's it. Jack and Hagar. Um, and I, it's, ever since then, when she's been given that coin, she's uh, cited the words Vala Mugulis. Mm-hmm. This has just been that that coin really has symbolised something within Arya that. That's what she's been missing, and that's what she needs to follow. And she gives that coin then to the sailor, and as soon as she says the words, he says "Vala de Harris," and they go away to Bravo. So I, I think for Arya, it's going to be so intriguing to bear witness to the advancement of her character arc. Where is her trajectory leading to? Where will it culminate and end up? That's something that's left still quite enigmatic and ambiguous to the audience. But we're going to find out a hell of a lot more from her escapades and expedition towards Bravos. It's it's going to be intriguing. You're a big fan of Arya as well, yes. so I'll be interested to hear what you think yeah, about I, Arya's journey since well, since the end of season four, where that's going to lead. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where uh, this season, it looks like a lot of story arcs are, are starting to come together where, you know, uh, we're seeing uh, Stannis and Jon and, and the Red Woman and, and even in the most recent trailer, Brienne at the Wall uh, going up against the, the wildlings out there. And of course, you know, Tyrion and Varys are in are, are, are in the. the where are they? They're with they're with Danny. I'm they're blanking. They're with Daenerys yeah. in the Far East. The Far East, yeah. I'm blanking on the exact location. Is it Dorne? No, I'm not sure. Oh, well, if it is Dorne, then they're not quite with yeah. Daenerys yet. But they're in that region, aren't they're, they? They're, yeah, they're, well, they're heading east. That's yeah. the main they'll be, direction. They'll be with Daenerys soon if they're not already with her. So we're starting to see a lot of these storylines starting to come together, and her story still seems very separate, you know, it, it's very, still seems very um, removed from everything else in, in a way that, uh, you know, while there's a lot of potential because she's so close to, uh, to Danny and, and to, to, to Tyrion and, and Varys uh, geographically, geographically there's potential for overlap there right now. It seems like um, her, her purpose is still kind of vague. It's, we're still not quite sure where she's headed. 
Um, whereas, you know, with some of the other characters, we get a, we have a little bit more of a sense. You know, Danny is looking for the, is looking to be, uh, queen uh we have Varys and Tyrion who it seems will be looking to help her achieve that Sansa seems to be going out to uh to seek justice for what has become of her family uh of course the Lannisters are still after power um but her story she's you know she's out for revenge but yeah you know it's it's sort of like well how is that going to play into the bigger picture who is uh, you almost feel like she almost needs to pick a side or you know you kind of wonder who could she wind up fighting for who would be a good match for her to fight with and uh and and that's sort of what i'm looking at her character right now and going okay where exactly is she going with this right now Do do you see what i'm saying yeah i think the purpose of aria is similar to sansa vengeance and justice hmm. having citing those list of names day in day out or every night before she goes to bed of the people that she wants to kill yes and at the moment it seems as though going to bravos in the free city becoming one of the uh, i don't want to say second sons but cell swords is probably the better term to use is really a way to or, or a particular approach in order to finalize and actually achieve her goals and ambitions Becoming a sellsword will give her the personal opportunity to perform the action herself. And that would be quite intriguing to see then how that would play in, as you say, into later events. Who is a good match for her? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say Sansa. But yes. it depends where Sansa's story leads to in season five. And I say that because Hari has been on a hunt for the last three seasons to find her family. And it would make a lot of sense if... Sansa and Arya, after all the wrongdoings that have befallen them, particularly seen as they were the ones to both bear witness to their father's head being chopped off in season one, for them to then reunite and launch a campaign once again against the Lannisters or against all of the the malign figures who have wrongdone them. Yeah, that's that's a good point. it, it's one of those things where I'm just kind of – I'm still wondering. I, I like the idea a little bit of, of her siding with Sansa, but it, it's still I, – I feel like we're almost being – we're seeing things kind of uh, slowly here uh, being whittled down to possibly just sort of the final the final players, you know, the uh, – uh, and and I, I don't know where – I feel like Sansa is another one that she's eventually going to have to pick a side. I don't see – the Starks ever uh, ruling over Westeros. And I don't think they ever wanted to. I think that was made very clear in the first season that, you know, Ned never really wanted to be king, never got the sense that Rob wanted to be king. Pretty clear that Jon never wanted to be king. Um, Sansa wanted to be queen until she realized, uh, you know, she went on her journey to realize, well, maybe that's not exactly what she wants. And and Arya never wanted any sort of power like that either. So we're, we kind of see them. I, I feel like they're eventually going to side with somebody probably probably Daenerys um which is which is interesting because you know Ned fought so hard to remove the Targaryens it would be interesting to see you know uh struggle amongst amongst the remaining Starks of like okay can we side with with Danny can we side with a Targaryen after you know after our father fought and and sacrificed so much after um their grandfather it was their grandfather and their uncle who was was murdered by the 
by the Mad King in the uh, in the throne room before the before the events of the series ever started. So you wonder where they feel like they can go. Well, it'd be interesting to see if or there can, is who they can side with. Sorry. Yeah, exactly who they can side with. But I'm looking at the storylines, and I, I really like your point when you said that it seems storylines seem to be interconnecting a bit more mm-hmm. now. It's not as singled out or as isolated as we've seen in previous seasons. And it seems to me there's three particular corners of Westeros that people are focusing in on. You've got King's Landing and Dawn in the south. You've also got the eastern regions, particularly yeah. with Marine, and then you've got the north. And we know that there's obviously the ominous White Walkers, which are forthcoming. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot more people banned that way soon enough. Yeah. As you said, we look at how many characters are there already. And I don't want to go into too much detail quite yet, because I know we'll move on and talk about Jon Snow and that later. But just looking at the different groups that are there, the Boltons, the Baratheons, the Starks are moving up there, or Sansa Stark, at least, we believe is going to be moving up there. Um, You've also got... Uh, Brienne's moving up. The, uh, the, there's so many different characters' story arcs which seem to be heading into that general direction. So I think if there is some sort of union, it'd be interesting to see whether the focus, whether that goal would be the Iron Throne or to stop the White Walkers. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. And, you know, the kind of the wild card and everything right now, it seems, is Stannis Baratheon, you know, because we're... He is clear what he wants, um, but well, is I, it clear what he wants? I, 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 I'm, I'm very curious to know exactly what he's doing up in the north. Based on the trailer, Bruce Bolton says in the trailer, Stannis wants to take the north. Mm. Now, what does that what does that exactly entail? Is that meaning the north so he can secure it as a stronghold against the White Walkers, or is that the basis to begin a, another invasion against King's Landing? I, I think it, I think it's a, an invasion against King's Landing. Perhaps it becomes more, well, we'll defeat the White Walkers, we'll be heroes, and then the people will side with us when we go for King's Landing. But I'm pretty sure his his ultimate goal is King's Landing. That's where he wants to be. He wants to sit on the Iron Throne. Um, so, you know, he's kind of the wild card, whereas... You know, the obvious, the obvious hero, it seems, uh, based on, based on, you know, the first four seasons as well as the trailers is, is Daenerys. She seems to be the obvious sort of hero and, uh, Cersei is the kind of obvious villain right now. And, and we're sort of, it looks like we're heading eventually towards a clash between the two of them. And it's interesting, you know, especially with, it seems, um, you know, based on everything in the trailers and, Perhaps some leaked set photos um, that that Tyrion will be siding with with Danny in in this season, and and the two of so it'll be interesting to see how, how Cersei rea- responds to that and how she you know how the Lannister army could respond to or how she'll have the Lannister army respond to that and it's it's all kind of building to this where it's, it seems like that's is is the eventual climax is, is uh you know people will will pick a side Lannister or Targaryen uh and and they'll duke it out eventually for the Iron Throne but as you mentioned we can't forget about the the White Walkers and then there's sort of Stannis Baratheon there who it seems his goal is the Iron Throne but it's pretty clear he will never side with somebody you know uh it it didn't it never seemed like he would be willing to decide with Rob the way that uh, Renly was. Uh, and so he, he, it's pretty clear he wants to take things on his own. So uh, he's one well, he of believes those... it's, his, it's his right. That's it's, true. It's his, pr- uh, I can't even pronounce that it's word. Birthright. Prerogative, I'm trying to say there. <laughs> um, 
in the sense that he's now got this backing, this financial backing from the Iron Bank, and that gives him a lot more power and he's able to use that to spend on military force, which was something he was surely lacking these last two seasons. Why he looked like a bit of a broken man, really, after King's Landing. Mm-hmm. He'd lost his entire fleet. He'd lost his entire army. Now he's got the army back. And he and I, I wonder if he has learned his lessons. And I think I, I, I do agree with you. I don't know if he necessarily has. He has his own personal agenda, this dogmatic, narrow-minded view that... He is right that he has the entitlement and the only man who is capable of ruling Westeros in King's Landing. But I am intrigued then and curious to find out why he's headed to the north. Mm. What exactly does he want or what does he think is right to go? Why, why, Why now? Why go to the north now? And I think something to do with the red woman who some sort of influence that she obviously she has a lot of influence on him but yeah. at the end of season three it was her who said no keep sir davos you know this she says this this game of game of thrones really yeah against the iron throne is fruitless that's that's not our prerogative that's not our focus right now it's about the white walkers mm-hmm. so i'm i'm intrigued to see where this is really going to lead. And I'm, I'm sure you equally are because Stannis is a very complex character. It's very difficult to suss out. Whilst on the surface, it seems like he he is plain and simple, superficial objectives, wants to take the Iron Throne. But with that added wild card as well of the Red Woman yes. and of, of him going to the North, suddenly his his actions and his goals aren't as clear-cut as they as we once thought they were. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, he's he's one to watch this season. I, I think perhaps as, as things play out, uh, we'll get a better glimpse into what's really going on. And again, who really has the powers between him and, and the Red Woman? Uh, but we've been talking a lot about the North. We've got a clip from Season 5 featuring Jon Snow and Mance Raider. You spent your life convincing 90 clans to come together for the first time in history. Thens and Hornfoots, the Ice River clans, even the giants. A life's work uniting them. He didn't do it for power. He didn't do it for glory. You brought them together to save them because none of them have survived the winter, not if they're north of the wall. Isn't their survival more important than your pride? Pride? Fuck my pride. Yeah, fuck my pride. <laughs> That's such a great line. It's a great line. Now, that's another that's another card that's very interesting to to look at in this season is the wildlings, and and maybe not Mance specifically, but the wildlings in general. Uh, I, I've said this before. I got I got the impression, you know, at the sort of the end of season four, that we were maybe not done with the wildlings, but a lot of uh, you know that well, basically all of Mance's arm, army was captured. So sort of the fighting between the 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 night's watch and the and the wildlings was was done uh but boy when boy does it look like i'm wrong <laughs> this is, i guess this is what i get for not reading the books um there there's lots of lots of battles going on uh seemingly be, between the night's watch and the wildlings and you know in that in that more recent trailer you know john snow says we can we can learn to live with the wildlings or we can add them to the the army of dead. So uh, you know, what's going on beyond the wall with, with the wildlings do you think in, in season five? 
equally curious topic there. What is going to happen between the Night's Watch and the Wildlings? They've been at each other's throats for the last, well, for years, for generations, really. And all of a sudden, it seems as though they're going to have to work together and collaborate. Yeah. It's just going to be quite a watershed moment. In the same way that Mance actually uniting the Wildlings as a force in itself was... A bit of a landmark moment, was it not? Mm-hmm. 100,000 oh, yeah. wildlings all united for the first time in history. South. For the first time, yeah, pretty much in history. Uh, 100,000, and you're thinking, wow, that's a huge army. What's going to happen here? And you know, the Night's Watch survive a battle, barely. Yeah. And as you said, Jon Snow's going up to Mance Raider, thinks he's going to kill him, and then, and then Stannis Baratheon comes in. So I, it's going to be interesting to see the power play there. Who exactly is going to be the leader up in the north? But it seems like Jon Snow is taking up that mantle as a leader now. And he's been following Commander Mormont, been under under the thrall, I guess, of Fawn, hasn't he? Or he's been fighting against that command ship. But Fawn has been the true commander up in uh, up in the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. It seems as though Jon's finally going to step up and officially take that mantle and lead the wildlings and the Night's Watch together. That's what it alludes to in the trailers. But we know this is Game of Thrones. It's not going to be as simple <laughs> as just getting them all banded well, yeah. together, which is why you can see a big fight between them as well. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out. I'll, I'll throw it over to you, though, to hone in, I guess, in more depth. Well, yeah. What, what do you think about Jon Snow and the wildlings? How, how their story is going to entwine intertwine i think you said it there that you know it's that they've been at each other they've been at each other they've hated each other for for generations and the idea that they could somehow just immediately start working together um it's not going to happen they're both set very set much set in their ways and they uh both hate each other you know the the night's watch thinks of the wildlings as savages uh the 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 wildlings think of the night's watch as uh you know having stolen their land there's very much a a, you know there's a clash of of cultures almost going on here and the idea that they're immediately going to be able to work together is is a is a foolhardy one and i think you know as a result we're going to see very quickly there are going to be people on both sides that think well we should just take out the other side and move forward and i think it will be up to people like Jon Snow and and perhaps Stannis and perhaps the Red Woman and 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 whoever else maybe even Mance to try and convince the two sides that you know what it's better off if we if we work together and we because that's the only way to survive the winter to survive the you know the coming of the night of the of the White Walkers. Um, but I also think we we might have made a little bit of error of judgment to stay that there's to state there's only two sides that there's the Wildlings mm. and. The Night's Watch, oh, and I don't mean the Baratheons. I mean that we the the wildlings are so diverse in terms That's of their true. culture, their ideas, and we've already seen the tensions between the Thens and some of the other wildlings in season four. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised if fight really outbreaks between the wildlings themselves. I think that's a distinct possibility. Oh yeah, Splinter and John made that point. Mm-hmm. Take out Mance, take out the heads, and they'll scatter and fight each other again. They'll be at each other's throats. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the one of the main issues, not just is uniting the wildlings with the Night's Watch, but reuniting the wildlings together as a force in the first place. Yeah, which which is ironic because you know, that was the whole point at the end of the season was they were trying, the Night's Watch was trying to break up the wildling force when 
I, and now to perhaps have to see them put it back together will be a, an interesting puzzle for them to to kind of work out. And, and yeah, there's there's a lot of lot of interesting stuff going on up up north. You know, we're really we're starting to see the 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 true meaning of of winter is coming in in these in these episodes or, or in these trailers and these previews. It'll be it, that's you know there's so many interesting storylines. That's the thing about about looking ahead and well we'll 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 just have to keep uh you know keep, keep the, hopefully they'll keep us guessing. Hopefully they'll keep us guessing. Hopefully we can't figure it out. That's that's the that's the real fun. Um, well, that's why maybe we should invite Jon Snow to Denny. Maybe I'd yes. inform us more on that. <laughs> yes, I, I don't know. I, I think he only answers Seth Meyers' inv- invitations. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a great clip. If I want to get on that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. If you haven't seen it, look it up. So, late night with Seth Meyers, uh, the NBC talk show. Uh, they had they had Kit Harrington do this sketch in, in costume, in character as Jon Snow, um, just at a at a dinner party, and it is hysterical. It is hysterical. Uh, but let's let's move to the east a little bit, and uh, a lot of the the preview material for for this season has focused in on the Sand Snakes, which are the three sisters of one Oberyn Martell. You know the guy who's got his head smashed out at the end of the last season, um, and and to me, the, the, you know, this, the, there's the video with the three actresses talking about playing these parts and, and, and stuff, and it, it sort of struck me that um, perhaps more than than any other character, we're going to see, um, you know, Oberyn's legacy live on or or the effects of, of of his legacy play out on the show in in ways that we we didn't. We haven't with other characters that have died, even, uh, you know, I, I guess Ned Stark, uh, you know, his death kicked off a whole war. But Well, no, but you could say the war started before yeah, his death. Exactly. It's, his death was just kind of a, a, a crucial moment in, in the war. And, and even, and, and you know, they, they talked about him a lot uh, following his death. But uh, really, like you said, the war had already started. It was just things, you know, were perhaps a little bit more heated than they had been before. This and then you know with Rob Stark's death uh, in season three, you know, you, you compare just looking at Jon Snow's reaction uh, compared to how he reacted when Ned Stark died. You know, he was almost, you know, in season four it almost seemed like he didn't care. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't, it it didn't come. I didn't get the same sort of impression of you know he wanted to run out, out to you know avenge Rob the way he wanted to for Ned. Um, well, I guess he'd learned his lesson from yeah, that. Yeah, and well, he, on, on top of that, he realized there's nothing you can do in that situation. He was gone. Exactly. Yeah, and he was. You know, it, it showed not only his character growth, but also his commitment to the to the Night's Watch. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah. Um, but it it seems like you know the fact that Oberyn died at the end of last season is is something that's not going to be forgotten quickly. He's not a character that can be written off, and that we're going to see sort of you know that his death has led to some has you know put into motion some other things that are going to be happening with these with these three warrior women do, do you see what i'm saying here do you, does that make does that make sense absolutely and there are distinct parallels which we can draw with the legacy of tywin lannister's death mm. we're talking about having big impacts on the political intrigue and the situation surrounding westeros tywin lannister's Death would have a big effect, but so will Oberyn Martell. And we haven't seen too much of the Martells throughout this entire series. Even with Oberyn, we only saw him and his betrothed, I guess, um, 
usually hanging around in those pleasure houses. Mm -hmm. Um, But we haven't actually seen Dawn yet or the royal family residing in Dawn. We have to remember he is a prince. And, of course, his legacy, his death is going to have a major impact. They've already suffered, the Dornish family, have already suffered through Elia Martel's death uh, with uh, Rhaegar Targaryen when she was brutally raped and murdered by the, by the mountain. Mm-hmm. And now Oberyn Martell has equally been brutally murdered by <laughs> that mountain. Look at the parallels there. Yeah. Um, so vengeance is going to be on the top of their agenda. And we talk about seasoned opportunities after Tywin's death. I'm sure they will sense one now. But what I'm quite intrigued about is also is where Jamie Lannister fits into all of this, because mm. we keep seeing clips of him seemingly, well, not in King's Landing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming he, he is in Dawn, but I could be making a, a, a horrendous error, error some judgment there, which I could be easily uh, unearthed in the first episode when I see season five. But it seemed, I, I'd be interested to see how those storylines seem to... In, interconnect but as you said in terms of the dawnish side of things i a, a vengeance again justice and vengeance just seems to be an overriding yeah. goal for point. many of our characters and i mean the dawns certainly have have a right to want to exert <laughs> their own vengeance after the history that they've had to be a well be a part of i guess so yeah. i'll throw it over to you then dominic yeah, what do you it, make of it, where the dawns are going to be ending up in season five it's interesting because you know it, it really on this show more than any, at least any that I've seen. It it seems that uh, you know when when stuff happens, there are there's there are major ramifications, and, and you know some characters could still continue towards their goals, but others sort of uh, will shift their goals or shift their their ideas as. as as things unfold in, in ways that we don't always see in, in other uh, stories. And uh, as a result, we'll see new adversaries, new, new obstacles that will, will, will show up. You know, it's one of those things that perhaps, um, you know, you know, it's like the de- death of Ned Stark. It seemed like a good idea at the time for, for Joffrey, but we come to learn after the fact that, you know, really killing Ned Stark turned out to be a really bad investment for the for the Lannisters you know it led to this this extremely costly war um it it put you know it it, it created um the situation where uh Tyrion would would kill Tywin you know you wind up with uh, a lot of unintended consequences in the show and I think that's really great because a lot of times on TV it feels like okay we've killed the bad guy let's move on to the next thing um, whereas in this case, it's sort of like, okay, we've killed that guy. Now here's what's going to happen as a result. And I think that's, what's really cool uh, about this. And that's sort of what I was getting at when I was saying, you know, even more, more possibly even than, than even Ned in some ways, I, I get the sense that these characters are, uh, are going to, or Ned's death, I think feel like Oberyn's death has led to, you know, opening a, a whole Pandora's box of, uh, troubles for the Lannisters and whoever else, and and I think that could be a, a you know a, a chief uh, moment in their downfall, and 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 so I, I'm very intrigued to see where they go with these characters and and what happens as a result. Well, everything for the Lannisters is just happening now at the wrong time, and we don't have to necessarily go into too much depth about talking about the Lannisters again. But we, talk, we earlier spoke of Tywin's death. 
and how really that's happened at probably the worst time with the Tyrells looking to sink their teeth into obviously the crown itself mm-hmm. and immediately after the murder of Oberyn Martell the Martells are going to be looking to pay with blood so everything seems to be unraveling for the Lannisters so it's going to be it's going to be intriguing to see how Cersei in particular endeavors to cement their grip on King's Landing and the crown yeah because Tomlin as we've said is a naive and inexperienced youngster Mm-hmm. And so, as you said, the legacy of Oberyn Martell's death is going to be very, very exciting and, and really entertaining for the audience to, as you said, find out what happens after it because the actions of our characters have major consequences. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the the other thing to, to keep in mind, uh, uh, you know, sticking with the whole Lannisters and, and, and you know, the Martells, they're, they're one – or the, sorry, the Tyrells. The Tyrells are, are one that uh, they're kind of the, the the silent threat right now. You know, everybody else is making a lot of noise. You know, Danny's got her dragons. Uh, well, Cersei is. You know, we've just we've watched four seasons of her fighting to keep control in King's Landing. Uh, Stannis has got his army out in the north. Uh, so we, you know, th- those you know, on first glance, glance seem like the three major players, but. You can't forget about the Tyrells. They are after the crown just as much as anybody. And they're probably at the moment in the best position to take over. And, you know, I'll make this prediction now. I could see um, this season ending with the Tyrells being the ones who are the real powers in King's Landing. Perhaps, uh, you know, filling that void That's that the death of uh, Tywin left, you know, and, and somebody... Marjorie or or her grandmother or or whoever being the one uh, behind the scenes controlling everything that Tomlin does and you know, exactly putting... I completely agree with that as you yeah. said Tywin was the puppet master I think it's time for either Olena or Marjorie yes. to take that position take that mantle yeah there's a there's a, there needs to be a new puppet master and and uh, and yeah so I I think there's that'll be one of the major shifts this season that's that's sort of where I what I where I'm see you know predicting things will go um and uh, you know well maybe it's about time we've had we've had three seasons of lannister rule uh it, maybe it's time for for somebody else to to change things up and that could that could change the entire dynamic for season six you know will will people want to will will there still be the the need for a new ruler will that will probably uh we know that people will still want the throne but I will right now, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. It looks like the people of King's Landing are really, uh, again, starting to cry out for a new ruler. You know, there looks to be some rioting in the street, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, where they they want a new ruler, and perhaps you know this new, uh, this new puppet master could, you know, put put things in place where maybe the people are a little bit happier. And we've seen that that's something that Marjorie is quite good at. So, uh, and then that could. You know that could really cause problems for 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 Danny and for for Stannis because, you know, part of, you know, part of at least for Daenerys, part of her strategy of taking over is that the people want a new king. The people need a, a, a new queen or a new ruler. The people have been crying out for one. Uh, you know, they they called Robert Baratheon the usurper. There are you know those who whispered their names and those who would support them. Well. Maybe once once the Lannisters are not as powerful or are out of power, with the exception of Tomlin in, in sort of that puppet that puppet role, um, perhaps they'd be a little bit more uh, 
they'd be less likely to uh, want to rise up. It, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but but speaking of Daenerys, uh, you know, there's the great quote that's being used in in both of the trailers about breaking the wheel. Uh, you know, season four uh, for for Danny was really a, a season. It was kind of a, a sort of a slow a slow season. It slowed down, and really, uh, for her, it was less about gaining more power, which is what the first three seasons seemed to be about. But it, it was more about learning what it takes to be a ruler. Do you see? Do you see more of that in season five, or do you see more of her uh, seeking out power, um, just based on the previews? I think at first it's going to be there's going to be ramifications for her position as ruler um, this last season. I think we're going to see the the actions of answering justice in, well, with justice, uh, injustice with justice is what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say, um, is going to play out quite badly for her. It seems as though she's going to be forced to evacuate her position on Marine. Mm. From what I can see, based on the trainers, that's that's my interpretation of them at least. And it's going to she's going to be moving somewhere else east. I I'd be very intrigued to see where where and when or does she decide to move to Westeros? There was a big opportunity for her to do so. Yep. Um, at the middle of season four, when Sajora Mormont, um. Sir Barristan and De Harris, Dario, that's it. Dario De Harris. There we go. That's it. Dario De Harris. Were all in that council meeting and hearing about Joffrey's death. There was an opportunity there: stay or go. And she decided to stay and learn how to rule, which probably isn't the worst thing in the world because it makes her a better ruler. She's educating herself and recognizing what it takes. To do so, and she wasn't doing it, Joffrey. And then, whenever someone came in, she decided to get her crossbow out or take their tongue out. So <laughs> she, she, she's doing a good first steps. But the, I think the approach she's taken towards the masters in particular and having them crucified is going to play very, very negatively in the future. And on top of that, we have to remember that one of her closest advisors, Jorah Mormont, is gone now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems as though they'll be reunited in season five, which I'm glad of. But obviously, their departure was very acrimonious, to say the least. And it's it's going to be going to be curious to see where that culminates, where that's going to where that's going to lead. How are they going to re? How are they going to revitalize her storyline, which her main goal and purpose was to take the Iron Throne? We're getting there gradually, step by step. It would seem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is kind of a, a, you know, her story. In, you know, they they pointed out in the the honest trailer for Game of Thrones. You know, it, it's it's in the first season. It was like, okay, we're going to take the Iron Throne. Let's go do it now. Maybe not. And and we've kind of been sort of slowly building that. It's a slow build, a slow burn. And on, on the one hand, I think that's that's very that's good. That's it's important to see how. Um, how how she builds up uh, as a character, how she becomes a, a wise ruler, but at the same time, there is a little bit of a of a feeling of maybe she's she's not her story isn't moving enough. You know, it's, in season four, for as much as she learned, 
there there were times where it felt like they were just kind of spinning their wheels they weren't really going anywhere they were doing stuff but not really and and it will be interesting to see how things how that story continues how they play out how it plays out once uh once the season you know once the season kicks off and well in just a few days uh it's hard to surprising to think it's so close um and and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing how how they move forward because you know there there does seem to be opportunity to move into uh into king's landing and and you have to wonder uh at, at what point what will be the right point and and you know perhaps, does she go right for king's landing or does she perhaps learn about what's going on at the wall because you know what one of the things that is capable of, of taking down the white walkers it seems or, or at least preventing the white walkers or is fire and you know what's what's a great source of fire well dragons and she's got three of them so that could be you know, a way for her to come in and really win herself or win the, the trust of, of at least some of the people in, in the, uh, in, in the North. Well, maybe not the people that she necessarily wants to, which because it'd probably be the wildlings and what is, whatever is left of the, the night's watch. And so it'll be, you know, her, her story is, is one that I, I do hope picks up a little bit more than it did last season. Um, you know, I hope there's a little bit more that goes on. Um, Lessons are good, um, but uh, I, I'm also ready for a little bit more action from her. You know what I'm saying? A bit more payoff yeah. to her storyline. Yeah, because I feel like it's built up so much, hasn't yeah. it? Really, this there's... past few seasons, she's got the unsullied. She's got her army. The dragons now they're becoming a tangible menace to our yeah. to our heroes. Well, not heroes, not really heroes and villains. I would say in Game of Thrones, but you know, to our to our characters who we, mm-hmm. we've seen throughout the last four seasons and. She's got enough. Uh, she's got the two thousand cell swords. There's enough there to launch an assault on King's Landing, which at the moment, as we said, there's a big power vacuum there, and there was a relatively power, I guess, minor power vacuum following Joffrey's death. But I guess Tywin did very well to sow the seeds together and ensure that it was a seamless transition from Joffrey to Tomlin. Yes. But nevertheless, as you said. Daenerys has a potent force behind her. Now's the time to really take some action rather than just sitting on the sidelines. And it's all good learning how to rule. But as I, as I've said, I I feel that from what we've seen in the trailers, it's being implicated that her actions are going to have done far worse from her ruling than if she just left. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I, you know, it, 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 you use the term, you know, payoff. And I think that's kind of what I'm looking for a little bit this season. I don't, I don't, I don't, I know we're not going to get our, our big climactic battle until at least season seven. And that's fine, but I'm looking for just a, a little bit more because it feels like a lot of the storylines are moving in that direction, you know, especially at the end of season four, uh, with, you know, the Tyrion's, uh, big showdown with Tywin at long last. We had, we had John, uh, and Egret come face to face and their story kind of end as well as John having to, to take on the wildlings in, in a spectacular way, in a way that we hadn't seen before. Uh, we see that, that Sansa is, is moving in a new direction, that Arya is moving in a new direction, Tyrion and, and Varys and, and all these characters seem to be moving in new directions. And for her, you know, the big change for her happened at the end of season one. And since then, we've been building up to something and we've been building up to something and there hasn't been another significant change other than perhaps the, the departure of, of Ser Jorah. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if that was necessarily, I, you know, it was a big deal 
but she also has, you know, Jorah isn't as important as he once was. You know, there is Dario Naharis. There is, um, oh God, I, I, I can see him in my mind. Um, Sir Barristan, Sir Barristan, sell me. Um, you know, she, he's with her. Uh, she's got her army. She's got her dragons. Uh, where, you know, Jorah may be a, a, an emotional departure for her. It doesn't feel like it's one that will really, that, that was major or of, of huge significance to her success. Um, yeah, it wouldn't destabilize her yeah. well, mission. But, but, you know, we keep seeing Jorah in the trailers. Perhaps that his, his departure will have played some kind of role like that. And we'll see how things uh how things move forward like that so i i you know i i am just looking for a little bit more payoff from her but not to say not to say that i didn't enjoy her story in season four i i, I you know she's one of she's one of my favorite characters i think she's she's great uh, i think it's it's great that they are spending so much time to build up this character and to build up such a complex character um you know who's struggling with what she's doing and and who's struggling with how to do things and and I, I think she's a great character and I, I just am looking forward to seeing some of, uh, of all of this build up and all of this growth pay off a little bit. And that's what I'm hoping for from her in, in season, season five. Well, that's it. I'm, I'm looking to see like you are as well, whether that reunion with Jorah Mormont, which seems based on a clip, I'm basing it on the clips in the trailer, but there is, there is a clip of them and uh, well, Daenerys, the Unsullied and Jorah in that arena together whether that is a result of being pushed out of Marine or her own decision, mm-hmm. her own choice and impetus to want to find him again or to want to go somewhere else at least and their paths just happen to cross together. Yeah. So it's going to be that that's what I'm looking to see. And I hope, like you, hoping that whatever happens, she, it looks as though she is going to be pushed out of Marine. Yes. That. She steps up now, and rather than you know learning the lessons then from Marine, learning that it's all well and good just sitting there for a while, but if you made these uh, wrong, um, ill-judged, uh, I guess decisions, then it's gonna it's, it's gonna it's gonna bite you bite you in the back again. So it's just something that hopefully she can educate herself in and, and learn to move on from. Yeah, you have to, you know, it's you always have to hold on to to where you've been and everything you've learned in that time uh, as as being a ruler and and I think you know when she does make the the final sort of her final push to be queen of the seven kingdoms, you know, to be the ruler that she believes she's destined to, destined to be, um it will be you know, we will see everything that she has learned from from you know all the way back to uh, her time with Cal Drogo through, you know, le- her time in, with the uh, with the 13 in, in the great in Karth, in the greatest city that ever was or, or will be. And, and everything that she has learned uh, will, will play into that. It'll, you know, it'll be like the I'll be that's a ridiculous comparison to make. Maybe not so much like the series finale of Smallville, you know, for, for Clark Kent, Kent to finally become Superman. He has to, you know hold on to all of the lessons that he learned over 10 seasons growing up in Smallville. It's kind of the same situation here for, Mm. for Daenerys to become queen. She has to hold on to all of the lessons that she learned over seven plus seasons of, uh, of, of, you know, growing and learning and and being a queen and, 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 you know, going from being, you know, a a Khaleesi to a queen to whatever she will be in, uh, in Westeros. And I, I think that'll be that, you know it's important to have that journey and uh and yeah hopefully we see more of that this season hopefully we see well, you know more 
some more steps taken in that direction. The final point I want to raise, I'm going to ask you, the, you this question, is again based on the trader. How do you think the relationship between Queen Daenerys and the dragons are going to involve, yeah. evolve in this season? Because from what we've seen in the end of season four, her hold and control over them seems to be ever so slowly eroding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know it's that's that whole thing that you can't really control a dragon, and you know she she thought she could, and she she seemed to be able to when they were young, when they were small. Now that you know you see in the trailer that dragon is massive, he is huge, and I think it's it's a situation where, um, yeah, I I don't know because because uh, obviously they're a fundamental asset, yeah, and and, and key component or instrument which will help achieve her goal. She loses control of the dragons. Granted, she's got a powerful army, but suddenly her power is seriously undercut. Yeah, that'll be something to see because that'll maybe that'll be her, her lesson for this season or, or part of her, her, her story for this season is, is learning to control them because... Uh, well, she's chained him up. Now. Yeah, she's got them chained be particularly up. Particularly happy with her, no, are they? No, that's that's a good point. It'll be perhaps it'll be repairing that relationship and 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 training them to to be not wild beasts, but wild beasts at her control, I guess. Because you have to think that you know, being mother of dragons, she has some kind of connection to them that even past Targaryens didn't have. And and I wonder if that will play into things a little bit, and and uh, if, if there will be some kind of uh, special connection between them and that will lead to her being able to control them. But yeah, that's, that's a good point because we do see, uh, there's a shot in the, in the most recent trailer with the, the dragon, uh, flying off over what looks to be a burning city with her kind of standing there watching. And, and you wonder if, was that her doing or was that, or is that, you know, something that she can't control? And perhaps, uh, I know that in the, books uh there was some kind of prophecy about dragon riders and that there were three people that would be able to to control the dragons I, this is this is based on watching some a few youtube videos about uh some fan theories uh, out there and, and stuff and and i get the impression that it was suggested that she would be one john snow would be another and uh perhaps or john snow or perhaps Bran stark would be another and uh, there'd be the third one out there and and that would be how you know some one each one would be able to control a dragon that's this is what i, I as, again i'm kind of mm-hmm. kind of talking a bit out of turn right now uh but, well i mean just in that theory we won't go into it too much but brown start one's pretty yeah, interesting yeah i could see that being a possibility well yeah isn't that what losing the... loosen his legs and the the destined to head all the way up north to find this particular three-eyed whoever raven. this guy is yeah. the three-eyed raven yeah, doesn't he uh, say that he will uh, he will help Bran fly? Isn't that, isn't that, that his is, last line? That is a very good theory. Then whoever came up with that, I could see that one for sure. Now, yeah. that would be a nice little twist. Talking and, about the Starks coming back in a big way, then yeah, that yeah that, that again it plays into my, my my thing from earlier about you know does are the will the Starks be comfortable working with a Targaryen? Uh, I'd almost forgotten about Bran. If I'm yeah, being well, sounds really well, that's, bad. That's but, that's the thing. Um, I, I, from, from, Based on comments from um, from Hodor, Chris, Christian Naren, is that his name? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be in this season, like at all. 
So we, we won't really be seeing much from them, uh, if, if anything. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how things play out, uh, you know, when they, when they do come back and, and, you know, they're, they're, he's another one. Bran is kind of another one. Bran and Arya, they're kind of, their stories are kind of off to the side right now. They're they're And it'll be interesting to see how they're weaved back into this bigger picture, because I, I, I don't think that, that, uh, you know, I think George R. 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 Martin is a smart guy that uh, is a smart enough guy. Well, he's a smart guy. And I think as a result, he's not going to include characters that don't serve a purpose. We're not going to spend time focusing on characters that don't serve a purpose, purpose in this larger story. And I think that as a result, you know, Bran is going to have something to do with it. Perhaps his ability to warg. I think warg. That's that's how it's pronounced, right? Um, and Ooh, perhaps he could switch dragon. How yeah, about that? that would be an interesting sort of way that, that they could go about it. And uh, oh, that would be interesting then to look at it. If he's not in this season, if he could walk into a dragon to not actually see it from his perspective, but from the outsider's perspective. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. So we'll so, so when Daenerys can't seem to control him, maybe it's because somebody else is. Yeah, or or maybe, maybe that will be you know when when Daenerys heads heads for uh, for the Seven Kingdoms, maybe she'll start in the north, and that's where she will meet up with Bran Stark, and he will help her ultimately, you know, control her dragons and go for. Uh, I'm go liking the this speculation. I, yeah, I fear yeah. that when these events do take place, it won't be until season seven. No, <laughs> no, I, I, I <laughs> don't. We're talking about payoffs, aren't we? But I can't see that happening this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. I think we're this season is, you know, like with the previous seasons, it'll be about building towards towards whatever it is we're we're heading towards. And I almost feel like, you know, this the series, you know, kind of you know built up everything until season four, and you know, sort of, sort of season four is where we're going to start seeing a bit of a turning point, and we're going to start heading. Uh, more directly towards a bit of it, or season five, I guess, is where we're going to start heading a bit towards more to, directly towards the end game. Whereas seasons one to four was all about putting everybody into those positions, and season five is where we're going. You know, especially because we're seeing characters, and there's a there's a featurette on the on on the Game of Thrones Facebook page, the you know the official one, um, where they talk about how they're finally having characters that's always seemed separate interacting with each other, and I I think that sort of shows that we're starting to you know. We've built out, we've built out, we've built out. We've got our characters to where they need to be. And now we're going to start heading back towards the center again, heading back towards the, the, the big goal, which is the Iron Throne and, and who, will, who will rule. Because it is, it's the Game of Thrones. So we'll, we'll see. It, it, it's, uh, but yeah, like you said, it, it, we're kind of looking ahead, almost looking ahead at season seven there with, with uh, you know, controlling dragons and, and, and taking, the, taking the throne. Right now it's, it's about putting people, you know, taking you know, start perhaps taking the first few steps in that direction uh, this season. Uh, but sticking in, in, in this sort of region of the world, um, we also have Tyrion and Varys. They are, uh, you know, uh, we've talked a little bit about this before. Uh, it's really great to see that that relationship on the show is coming back. I think that was one of the strengths in season two. It was, was seeing so much of them together. And well, we've got a clip and uh, let's take a listen to that. You never told me why you set me free. Your brother asked me to. Would have said no. <laughs> Refuse the Kingslayer a dangerous proposition. Not as dangerous as releasing me. You risked your life, your position, everything. Why? You're, you're not family. You owe me nothing. I didn't do it for you. I did it for the Seven Kingdoms. 
drunken dwarf will never be the savior of the seven kingdoms. I don't believe in saviors. I believe men of talent have a part to play in the war to come. Yes, the war to come. And, you know, it's pretty clear that he's talking about himself and Tyrion. And it, it makes you wonder, what is their part to play? You know, we've, we've seen Tyrion, you know, seasons one to four was really about building him up as this sort of this cunning uh, guy who, who, you know, is often overlooked, uh, but is actually, you know, probably the smartest person in the Seven Kingdoms and is able to really manipulate every situation to his advantage or most every situation to his advantage until, you know, he's accused of of murdering Joffrey, uh, at which point he sort of left stranded and that was sort of out of his depth. And so I think what we're seeing here is that, that Varys is, is trying to surround Danny with as many characters uh, that are that have that each have their individual strengths, and so we I think we'll see that you know we already see that a bit with uh, with uh, Sir Barristan and Dario Naharas and well of course uh, Varys, and I think you know uh, perhaps Tyrion is another one of those key pieces. Perhaps he'll be an essential piece, um, but then again you know Tyrion's a Lannister and uh, Jaime Lannister, the Kingslayer, he's the one who took out the Mad King who stole or who took the power away from the Targaryens, that raises the question, would a Targaryen be willing to work with a Lannister much in the same way that we wonder if a Stark would be willing to work with a Targaryen? You know, these, these families that have been fighting for so long are now sort of being forced to take up unusual allies with each other. And I think that, that raises a lot of questions. And, and of course, we'll, hopefully we'll finally get to see a bit more of, of what Varys is, is really doing because you know, when we were doing our, our look back at season one, it was one of those things like, you remember, oh, yeah, he, he was fully aware of what was going on in the East. And he was helping that or he was, you know, he, uh, he was helping put things in place so that a Targaryen could return, perhaps, you know, with the help of the of the Dothraki uh, and, and take the take the throne. And so I, I'm curious, what, what, where do you see their story going in season five? It's good to see, as you said, the interaction continue and perpetuate between Lord Varys and and Tyrion. They've clearly had this chemistry that's been brewing for a very, very long time. And I think it's demonstrated in the way that Varys has been so open to Tyrion, more so than any other character. He revealed to him about the fact that he was cut um, Mm -hmm. and told him that whole story about him and the wizard. Showed him the Um, wizard. He showed him the wizard as well. And we can remember a scene in season four, uh, in the middle of season four, when he spoke with Oberyn about, uh, well, they were speaking in front of the Iron Throne, and Oberyn was quiz- quizzing him about it, and he said, "Oh, I only," uh, Lord Varys said in response, "I only tell people to those I trust." And yeah. I quite liked actually that at that moment he looked straight at the podium where Tyrion was going to be standing, but. That's neither here nor there for the moment. But point is, it, sh- it shows there is this close connection between the two. They got they got a good rapport and understanding. And as you said, clearly we see now Tyrion since season one has evolved and has always been really a quiet, shrewd, astute, wise character who really doesn't really overstep the mark, but he he really eclipses expectations. For particularly someone of his stature, as, as he as he said to Tywin when they had their confrontation um, in the in the trial, when he says, "You know, I'm on trial for being a dwarf." Mm-hmm. Now Tyrion is so much more than that. There's so many more layers to his character, and 
it it doesn't surprise me that Varys and Tyrion would side with Daenerys, and she's mm-hmm. already got a lot on her side already. But you add Varys and Tyrion to that, and you've got a very powerful, powerful mind with you as well, really, haven't you? Because those oh, two yeah. characters are probably the most intelligent within Westeros, and Varys, of course, with his spies and. He'll know what's going on around King's Landing and in the northern regions as well. He's not oblivious to it all at all. So you've suddenly got a big communication set up there as well as two big brains there to help your operations run very smoothly. It's If they do join together, we already said um, Daenerys is going to be a formidable, formidable outfit this season, propels to number one in my book uh, immediately and it didn't surprise me therefore that that Varys and and Tyrion well Varys decides to go there to go along with Tyrion recognising that with Tywin gone there's there's little hope left for the Lannisters I think in that respect seeing the two one of the two of the smartest people in Westeros decide to head tail and run and get out of King's Landing maybe that's a bit of foreshadow as well really as to how that it's all going to end up in the in the city, in the capital city of Westeros. Yeah. But I'll throw it over to you, Dominic. What do you make of Tyrion and Varys having their adventure across the across the narrow sea? Well, I, I think you said it. I think that they are, you know, the, the two smartest guys uh, in 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 Westeros. And I think putting them on on the side of, you know, having them both side with one person is is going to be a, a formidable threat. And I think. You know, and it's one of those things where, you know, everybody needs as many allies as they can get. And I think that bringing those two on board with uh, with with Daenerys, I think, is, is a real good sign for her, for her, uh, for her potential. And I think you're right. I think she, it really does elevate her to being most likely the the, the most powerful or the biggest uh threat or the biggest force this this coming season and i i really look forward to seeing how that dynamic plays out uh but i i want to mention i want to touch on something you mentioned there about you know uh a lot of stuff going on uh you know some some interesting things going on in the streets of king's landing and and you kind of get the impression from these these trailers that more so than than any previous season um chaos is a real theme in uh, in everything and there's that great great quote from from Littlefinger you know chaos is a ladder and you kind of wonder about uh, you know what's going on and and who will who will emerge from this because you look at you know there are multiple scenes there's lots of scenes where there seems to be a lot of you know, not quite rioting or mass murdering in the streets um we see uh Tomlin, Tomlin get a uh, he comes face to face with some kind of force in the middle of the streets. There's a scene where Daenerys is being shielded by a bunch of her guards with shields as she's sort of running through the streets, almost suggesting uh, there, there maybe there's some kind of riot or battle that has um, emerged uh, surrounding her. And it just everything seems a lot more chaotic than the past seasons, and it even you know even so more so than, than last season, where you know really the chaos was at the wall. This season it seems to have have taken to the streets in, in, a, in a way we, we haven't seen before. You know, we maybe we got a little glimpse of it when Joffrey was king. And, and you know, uh, there was that there was that whole ordeal, that riot um, back in season two, I believe. And I think we're, we're seeing here uh, the, the, you know, the same the same kind of thing, just 
on a much more massive and much more global scale. Do you, do you see what I mean? Did, did you get that impression from the trailers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the chaotic element is so vibrant and so patent to the audience that it seems as though rulers are being not necessarily toppled from their positions, but they're being confronted a lot more with what I'd call the subalterns, so the lower classes in society. And you do wonder, yeah. really, particularly with Daenerys, her efforts to really push the slavers to fight for their own freedom, how that will come back to bite her in the future, well, when they never... may well think, hmm, this isn't quite how I was expecting free rule, what, yeah. so we're going, we're going to make it for ourselves. It's, it's, it's just intriguing to see how that all unfolds. And as you said, it seems as though the rulers grip or control of their particular realms or dominions is being seriously curbed now as well, a result of these uprisings yeah. um, being unable to control the domestic populace. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that really is is in part down to their own uh, policies which have just failed miserably uh, that have, failed have ended in calamity. City. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what that's what I would interpret it as. I don't know what you think about the well, chaotic I, element. I I think um, that's almost certainly going on in King's Landing. I think what we're seeing with Daenerys and and um, I'm really resisting the urge to use a, a very real world example right now. That's very current, uh, but I won't. I won't. I, we I don't don't need the hate emails right now. But uh, I think what we're seeing is the uh, you know she freed the slaves. But the masters are still out there. And I think what we're seeing is the masters rising up and, and taking on her. And there's that, that very telling scene at the end of, of the, the last trailer where you know, she's lying in bed with Dario. And, and she says, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a queen, not a butcher. And, and he says, you know, all rulers are either butchers or they're the meat. And basically, I think it's implied that she either has to kill all the masters or let the uh or 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 let the uh this um sorry kill all the masters or um you know they'll rise up and kill her essentially is is what i i think is being implied in that in that scene and it will be interesting that'll be something she'll have to deal with you know anytime there's a, a revolution there's always people that didn't want the revolution and in this case well it's the masters and now they've all lost their slaves and so they see her not as a hero but as a villain you know, they, she's essentially ruined their lives and for them to get back to the way things were, to get back to the way, you know, the good life that they had before, they probably see her as somebody that needs to be um, deposed, to be removed from power. And I think, you know, that'll be an important lesson for her again, going back to her, her you know, the lessons of of this entire, you know, run. Well, I can think of an example in history which follows that, and oh, that good. is the Russian Revolution yes, in yes. 1917 to 1921. Obviously, I, Vladimir Lenin. I don't Lenin. Use my current example. Go ahead, go. Not a current example, a historical reference. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit different, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it follows a similar trend, I think, with Vladimir Lenin. Obviously, he promulgated the notions of uh, you know, freedom, and uh, well, I think his three line, his phrase really was uh, bread, land, and. Um, and freedom really that's mm. what he was trying to promulgate that was his main message point was though enacted a coup d'etat toppled the 
Bolshevik, uh, the Bolsheviks toppled the Romanov dynasty. And soon after that, you have the outbreak of a civil war because it wasn't just the fact that he toppled the actual czar himself, the leader of the country, but also the ministers. And that meant that their positions of power were undercut. They were removed from their positions of power because the Bolsheviks had taken all of those, uh, taken up that mantle. And so they tried to fight for it back. They tried to fight fight to get it back, to be restored into their positions of authority and supremacy. And I can see that following then a similar trend to what you're discussing with regards to Daenerys Targaryen, mm-hmm. how the masters, you've had that brief spell, that brief honeymoon period where everything's going quite rosy at the moment. But again, Daenerys's actions, she's talking about fighting injustice with justice in the master's point of view, they'll probably use the same doctrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I think what, what I think that's sort of what we, we can expect to see from from her this season is, is something along those lines. And and while simultaneously, what will be going on in King's Landing is that there will be people, you know, crying for some kind of revolution or leading some kind of revolution. I think it's it's kind of implied. In, in some of the stuff that's going on there. So we'll, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to watch. And, and so be- before we wrap up this episode, there is a, there's one question and you have to ask this before every season of game of Thrones. You have to always have to wonder this and uh, I'll throw it to you first. Who do you think is going to die? Who will bite I, the dust this I, season? I foresee Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll only choose one then. You can pick one. a couple. Go for it if you want. Uh, no, I'll, I'll stick with one family because they're the ones at the moment which I'm, I'm pretty certain will probably bite the dust. And that is going to be one of the members of the Bolton family, mm. whether it's Roose Bolton or Ramsey Snow. Oh, he's Ramsey I Bolton think, now. Oh, Ramsey Bolton now. Absolutely. One of those two, if not both, are going to bite the dust then. If it's Roose Bolton, I reckon it's Ramsay that kills him. Mm-hmm. If it's Ramsay, I reckon it's Reek that kills him. Interesting. Interesting. That's my prediction. Yes. So, Dominic, I'll throw it yeah. over to you then. Who do you Ooh. anticipate will fall? Because undoubtedly someone will someone fall. Someone will season. fall. And, uh, you know, I, I like the I like the idea of the Bolt, some, some, someone from the Boltons going down. I, I wonder, though, if that maybe that's not a big enough death. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got this, this article here from the Huffington Post back in, uh, back in, uh, February, February. And it says it's an interview with Sophie Turner, Sansa Stark. And, uh, she says that there is a, a death or there's something that goes on that is more shocking than the Red Wedding. And so I wonder if somebody bigger is going to die. And, and not to diminish the importance of Roos and Ramsey, but I, 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 or Ramsey, I, I think they are just, uh, they're not quite on that, that top level. And so I, I, I wonder if somebody big is going to bite the dust. And I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to pick who it, who it is because right now it seems like all the characters need to make it to the next, uh, to the next, uh, to the next story, you know, we need all the characters. You know, we need, we still need Cersei and Jamie and, and Daenerys and, and, and John. We need, we still need them all alive. It seems at this point. 
And well, so I, I wonder, I, there are two instances then that could fit into that category yeah. from what we've discussed and thought about. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Well, so either, I, either I, King's I, Landing, something big's going to happen there again. Um, he, with the Lannisters, I would see that mm-hmm. the Tyrells would cement their hold and maybe some of the Lannisters are going to bite the dust. If not, why not East? What the, What is going on in that arena? Yeah, that's There's a good Daenerys, point. Daenerys... And Jorah Mormont and all wouldn't of the Unsullied. Be, wouldn't that be depressing if 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 Daenerys dies this season? Wouldn't that be horrible? That would be like we spent all this time building up for nothing. Uh, it would be interesting though, yeah, because it'd be, it'd be it's one twist. of those things I could see happening. You know, she's losing control of her dragons. We're talking about perhaps other characters being able to influence and control them. So is suddenly her mother title as important as it once was? Yeah. And we talked about the mistakes she's made as well in Marine. That's a good that would point. be. I think that would be a shocking one. That could that could fit into the category. Yeah, that that would be shocking. Uh, I think. But obviously, if it's I bigger think, than a red wedding. Yeah. That's gonna have to. But that's why I thought the arena. There's a lot of characters. Yeah, a lot in of characters arena. can go down. Yeah, I, there's also uh, the other place where there seems to be a lot of characters that people are or, or that or that or that could go down would be the North. Could could yeah. we be seeing that the end of Jon Snow? Um. Jon Snow would be huge, but I can't see that happening yet. I still think he's one of those linchpins in the series. That well, I'd say the same thing about Daenerys, but that's true. You know, it, 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 you know, because there would have been maybe Stannis Baratheon. Yeah, and again, does he he fit that category? Yeah, well, he was going to be my, my, my. You know, I was bringing up the, the, the Sophie Turner quote. But I, I still don't have someone that I think is going to be the, the, the sort of the big character to go. And I think that's good because I think that pre- preserves the shock. I, I could see, though, my prediction is that we'll, we'll see the end of Stannis by the, by, uh, by the time we by the time we're doing our, our season five wrap up show. We'll be talking about, about the this end one? of Stannis. Yeah. Lord Baelish. That would be pretty big. That would be that. that could For be me, huge. that would be big because that, bearing in mind, we've seen how much of an influence he's had. And, and his presence on the show, yeah. which is really felt from the beginning after we heard his discussion with Lysa. Yeah. That would be a big one. Well, yeah. The mastermind, the gambit, everything that's been working towards and maybe Sansa Stark's the one to end him. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. But at the same time, he still seems to be powering Sansa. So that there's 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 two ways I, no, I could I don't say- know, though. I think at the end of that season, Sansa knows what Baelish is interested in, mm, which is her. point. I think there's a there's going to be a nice power balance between those two now, yeah. and she's learnt now. I think point. that episode eight was of season four was a big, big shift for Sansa's character, where she's finally played the game. She's still yeah. got a lot to learn. Sure, she's going to be a protege, but I still think that she's got enough about her. And again, I think that's quite symbolic of the way she's changed her hair color now. All of a sudden, that seems to be more black true. than ginger. Very true. Um, Very true. And that sort of fits in more with the North. Yeah, well, that's yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, I could, that could that would be one, that would be a very interesting turn. Would be to have her kill, kill Littlefinger. But there's also, you know, do you think do you think there could be any sort of redemption in store for Littlefinger? I mean, could he is, could he ever I want, redeem I want himself? Littlefinger to stay in. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying it's a shock, but I still think there's a lot more of his character. I want to know what his end game is because he keeps talking about the fact he wants everything. He wants everything, but. I mean, it's a big world, Westeros. Yeah. I mean, if, if, he, if he generally means everything, um, he's starting on the right foot, though. Yeah. He's got control of the Eyrie now. 
Uh, I, well, I'm, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll put another prediction. Soon in season five, that Robin Aaron's going to bite the dust. <laughs> he's not. He's not lasting long. I would no. be surprised if he he get he dies in the first episode. Yeah. Well, that uh, I think that was implied as well. Yeah. That that's a that's a good point. Yeah, he's going down. Because once he goes, well, I, yeah. then you've got Baelish and Sansa as the two powerhouses of the Eyrie, which would then perhaps give them justification to for their own policy, which would be to go back to Winterfell. Yeah. Very good. That's a very good point. Very good point. I see. I wonder if, if uh, you know, if I, if Lord Baelish were to go down, and I could, I think, I think uh, that's a very good point. I actually, just thinking about it now, I think it's becoming more and more likely that he he will be one of the ones to go this season, whether it is you know killed by Sansa, which would be a huge turning point in her character, or you know some kind of redemption and and you do kind of wonder if that's possible after everything that he has put in motion he is um directly responsible for the death of of ned stark i would say and and indirectly responsible for the deaths of of lady catelyn and rob because you know he started this whole thing and and that is what ultimately led to the red wedding he's he's indirectly responsible for so much of what has happened um he's indirectly and directly and so i i wonder if perhaps uh you know he'll go down and and if he goes down uh if it's in some kind of sacrifice perhaps for sansa you know i i see his death being tied to sansa in some way whether it's yeah. at her hand or in some kind of sacrifice for her you wonder is that enough is it possible for him to die a hero because of everything that he has done everything that he has incited and that's that i think that could be a huge huge turning point huge scene i don't know if it's quite red wedding but i i, I do wonder and i, I yeah I'll, I'll make that my prediction i think i think lord well Bale he always says doesn't he that knowledge is power and he he never fights with his fists anymore you know he he, he chooses his fights from a different approach yeah he's because he tried that once when he wanted to gain the affections and love of Catalina. he challenged that northerner to a duel and got bested and nearly killed so you'd think he's learned his lesson there, and he is such a cunning, manipulative individual that I I, I see that you're right. There's something that's going to be tied with Sansa that will that will be his downfall. We've already yeah. seen that, haven't we? That how that emotional tie has affected him when he killed Lysa Arryn. Yeah. Because don't forget the trial after that. That could have been the end of Baelish in terms of his powerhouse. Sansa saved him there. So their storylines at the moment will be inextricably linked, I think, because she at the moment has represented the only tangible weakness which could undercut everything that Lord Banish has worked for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh... And one final point I'm going to ask you Go about is a different character. Talking about redemption stories. What about our good friend Reek? Yeah, he's because I don't know if it's really been said about his character yet. Yeah, we, but he's something one, with Ramsey. I, I think it's going to go down this season. Yeah, he's got one shot in the trailer. Yeah, I think his death um, will be a tragic one because I think he's a tragic. Do you think he's going to die this season, Reek? I, I could see it happening. Absolutely. I, I don't know where where else he can go. I, I don't know if, if he could if if Theon can ever come back. I think that's that's something to 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 wonder about. I, I you know he is very much reek and you know can, is is Theon still there is still Theon still in his mind somehow could he become Theon again that would be an interesting question to ask but for him uh, if he dies and I think there's a good chance he will 
I think it will be a tragic one, but it will, you know, I, I, I just, unlike Lord Baelish, where I think possibly, possibly his death, death could, death could be somewhat redemptive. I don't see that happening for Theon. I think Theon created so much, directly caused so much, um, you know, by, by putting Rob, by betraying Rob and putting Rob into such a horrible position, um, that there's no way he can redeem himself now that Rob is gone. And I, I, I think that if he does come back as Theon, I, I don't know where they'd go with it. But then, hey, maybe that's a good good, good thing to go. I, I don't really know where they're going with his character in general. I don't have a sense of, of what's next for him other than death, other than, than dying in some brutal and tragic way. Um, but I, I, I don't think there's very much of a chance for redemption of him. I don't think he has the chance to die a hero. I think he can just die a, a tragic death, but not a heroic one. You know I don't. I agree with you. I don't think he'll be redeemed. No. And uh, there's an interesting point. I was reading a comment actually recently regarding the series, and it focused on three key points about Ned Stark, Theon, and Rob Stark. How how a particular scene was really connected between all of them. They all end up executing someone. If you can recall that first episode, mm-hmm. season one, Ned executes cleanly that deserter from the Night's Watch. Yes. Theon executes Sir Roderick. Yeah. And Rob does the same to, um, oh, his name, Karstark. Mm-hmm. And you look at the reasons for it. Ned Stark killed the deserter because he believed he was a true deserter and he wasn't telling the truth. Mm-hmm. He gets his head chopped off. Rob Stark kills Karstark. Again, it was a wrong decision and it ended up biting him in the backside again. Theon, I mean, you look at that death of Sir Roderick, how unjust was that? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, look at all the punishment has befallen him since then. And in a way, you could say, he's not necessarily died, but he suffered a fate worse than death. He's lost oh, his manhood. Yeah. He's no longer a man at all. He's a eunuch. Um, and he's now just this slave to Ramsay Snow. Yeah. So unless something changes in that, I can't really see if we're following that trajectory. Again, that's just a speculation, but I thought it was quite an interesting parallel to look at the three characters of how their sense of justice has actually ended up being perceived by others as unjust because they've done it seemingly for the right purposes, but it's it's not ended up that way. So it's just, I think it's quite intriguing, as you said, we don't know where Fionn's character's going to go or Reek's character's going to, his trajectory's going to end up in. In the course of his story, there's still, there's still a tale to be told there, though. I yeah. think that the, he may well bite the dust this season, but... It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring something else down because I don't think that him just dying is going to be a huge shock. I mean, he suffered no. already. If it was just him, it wouldn't make too much of a difference. But if he brings someone like Ramsey Bolton down or Roose Bolton, I don't know. Something interesting is going to happen with him, I reckon. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, one one thing is certain. We are in for one hell of a season we are in for a lot of fun and a lot of great stories lie ahead and that is going to wrap things up for us here this week we'll be back next week um it'll be a a, a bit of an interesting recording schedule it'll be an interesting release schedule um uh, but we will have an episode for episode one of course we couldn't miss it it'll it may be a short one uh but it will also be very cool, and uh, well, we'll tell you why next week. Why it's a it's a different kind of episode. Uh, you'll just have to stay tuned for that. Uh, if you listen to our, our other podcast, The Clone Wars Strikes Back, 
Uh, you may be able to guess why. <laughs> it'll, be a, it'll be a special episode. Uh, but for everybody else, we'll leave you in mystery. So, yes. But don't forget to tune in next week. Hopefully, we'll have the episode out on Wednesday evening so that you can listen to it on, on your way to work on Thursday or, or what have you. But don't forget, season premiere, uh, the episode is... Uh, I've forgotten the episode title, but it's on 9 p.m. Uh, on HBO uh, on Sunday night and uh, the following Monday on on Sky Movies or just Sky? Uh, it's on Sky Atlantic. Sky Atlantic. Sky Atlantic, Monday, 9 p.m. All right. And don't so don't forget to miss it. Or don't forget to miss it. Don't miss it. That's one of those things. I was thinking I couldn't decide between which term I wanted to use. Don't miss it or don't forget to watch it. And I went with don't miss it. <sighs> <sighs> I, I can talk. I, believe it or not, I've done a hundred of podcasts before this. Uh, but anyways, uh, well, Kieran, uh, I, I understand you got a new gig over at Expression FM. Why don't you t- let our listeners know all about it? Yeah, well, I am now the training manager on the Expression FM committee. A couple of weeks ago, we had elections at the AGM, and I managed to get elected into my position, which was fantastic. And awesome. uh, we're looking very much forward to going into the new term with uh, somehow me having 24-7 access <laughs> into the studio, which can only go one way, and that's horribly well. Horribly uh, good. Horribly there. good. <laughs> horribly good. Anyway, um, yeah point is of expression fm we're taking a bit of a hiatus similar to how we took a month off yeah so our expression we're on our holiday break but we've got the massive student radio conference taking place in two weeks time now so i mean we've got a big thing coming up in a week or so myself and dominic and yeah a few other people who might be interested in star wars but uh, two <laughs> weeks time we've got student radio conference so the well entire nation the united kingdom everyone who's involved with student radio and are very keen to get involved. They come all the way down to, for some reason, they, they hosted it in Exeter this time, southwest of hey, England. why not? And why not, exactly? DJ Hodor came down here. I should have mentioned that earlier, actually, guys. A week and a half ago, uh, DJ Hodor himself came, uh, came all the way from America to, to come to Exeter Nightclub. And then two days after the event in Exeter, he went all the way to the Red Carp carpet premiere for game of thrones <laughs> so that is dedication for you sir. yes um but yeah student radio conference so uh, as i said it's going to be a massive radio conference loads of radio stars from the bbc in particular going to come on with down loads of talks loads of lectures lots of interacting getting involved so stay tuned and peeled in for that really i mean again i'm really interested in radio dominic as well in terms of podcasting so um, I can't wait to get back there and, and learn as much as I can on the trade and I'm sure I'll pass on some uh, wisdom and knowledge that I might might have learned on to everyone here so yes. please do uh, just keep in touch on uh, Facebook and have a look around but uh, to listen into Expression FM by the way in the future it's www.expression.fm Facebook page is www.facebook.com slash Expression FM and our Twitter handle is at Expression FM. There we are. Simple stuff. Just expression. So we need to remember. So we need to remember. Yeah, and it's- but Dominic has also got his own little podcast that he'll want to disclose yeah. to you all. Yeah, and it's Expression, just just the X. There's no E. Just the yeah, yeah, I should say that. X. 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 Expression. Like, like the X, X Factor. Yeah, or X-Men or, or what have you. But yeah, yeah. It's probably a better yeah. one for this podcast <laughs> the X Factor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know how any of 
what goes on in the X Factor content-wise links on to this podcast. We're bad singers. I can admit that, actually. I'm a bad singer, so maybe I would, that would fit on the X Factor. Yeah, well, you and me both. Maybe that's that should be our next podcast, the Watchers oh, of X no. Factor Strike, strike Backs. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, yeah, of course, my my other podcast is the Star Wars Underworld podcast. It's all talking all things Star Wars. So, of course, we're really excited about uh, The Force Awakens. Of course, Star Wars Rebels, uh, the animated series. Rogue One, the uh, the announced uh, standalone film that, uh, that, that got its title uh, in the time that we were off here. So we're talking about all of those things and so much more. And, of course, we've got our first live live show, like live with an audience coming up uh, in just over a week on Saturday, April 18th. At 10.30 a.m. Pacific time in Anaheim, California, as part of Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. So if you're going to be down there uh, or in the area, come on out and, and check us out. We're going to have a lot of fun. Lots of prizes. We've got a special guest from the Star Wars saga who's going to be joining us. Uh, it, it's going to be really cool. Uh, and come on down there and we'll have a lot of fun. And hey, maybe maybe we can talk a little Game of Thrones. We'll sneak a little, little Thrones talk into Star Wars Celebration. Um, but you know star wars celebration so we'll probably be talking star wars um if you want to hear well, I'll, me, I'll turn the microphone off at that point <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you want to hear me and kieran talking about star wars you can check out our other podcast the clone wars strikes back that's where we've been going back and revisiting the emmy award-winning star wars animated series the clone wars uh we just uh released two episodes over the past two weeks uh where we talked about the Andron arc that kicked off season five and then we were joined by star wars insider magazine editor jonathan wilkins to talk about uh the younglings arc from season five which is uh, one of our favorites so we highly recommend checking that out you can find that in the same place you find the star wars underworld podcast which is on starwarsunderworld.com or just by searching for star wars underworld in on itunes speaking of itunes you can uh subscribe to this show on itunes just search for the watchers of westeros and uh if you have time leave us a five-star rating and review we would uh, really appreciate that um one star ratings we don't appreciate so much but five star we really like them five star four stars pretty good three is eh, two why bother and one now yeah, well you know <laughs> um uh, sp- also you can uh, keep up with everything uh we're doing on facebook by going to facebook.com slash watchers of westeros we're posting uh posting links to some uh there's been some great game of thrones parody videos of course there's the uh, seth meyers video that we talked about earlier we post the link up there that's where you'll never miss an episode of this show by uh liking that page you can follow also follow us on twitter at watcher westeros uh watchers of westeros was too long for a twitter handle so you drop the s off the end of watchers Drop the of, and then Westeros is, well, Westeros. So at Watcher Westeros, and you can follow me personally at DominicJ25. You can follow Kieran at CDuggan6. Uh, I think that's it. I think that is everything. So thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking about Season season 5, Episode 1 of Game of Thrones. The episode is called The Wars to Come. It's going to be a lot of fun, guys. We're in for a great 10 weeks of new Game of Thrones. So we'll see you all next week. For the Watchers of Westeros, I'm Dominic. And I'm Kieran. And until next time, remember, Hodor?